I think the things you can learn from Tableau are really that Tableau was designed to be a really generic tool, but to satisfy these really common uses, right? So, you know, this really sort of broad applicability, uh, as I mentioned earlier, talking about marketing or sales or whatever, right? Like Tableau's built-in geocoder, you can map, you know, common administrative data, you know, with a single click. And it's just like that. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. My guest on the show today is Kent Martin and he's worked for Esri for a number of years. He's now working for a company called Tableau and he's going to be talking to us about the crossover between what Tableau has built in terms of mapping capabilities and what we typically see with GIS software. Just before we get into the interview, I want to take a second to thank my sponsor, Graphhopper. So Graphhopper have built a directions API. So this is a routing engine that lets you build your own application on top of it. And what it does is it solves the traveling salesman problem. But that traveling salesman problem typically refers to only one vehicle moving around through a series of points and finding the optimal route for that vehicle. But what Graphhopper does is it lets you solve that problem for a fleet of vehicles with a whole bunch of different profiles. So if you're looking to provide optimal vehicle routing to a fleet of vehicles, I can highly recommend Graphhopper. They have been a wonderful group of people to work, work with and their support has been incredible. Welcome to the podcast, Kent. Thank you so much for, for coming along today. I realize that you're working from home like a, a lot of other people, so it's probably not that easy to find time and space to do this, but you've done it, and I am deeply appreciative of that. So today we're going to be talking about Tableau, and we're going to be talking about geospatial and, and mapping and, and data visualization in general. But I think before we dive into all that, perhaps could, you could give us a little bit of your background. I, I know that you've worked for Esri for a number of years, so perhaps we could start there. Yeah, Daniel. Yeah. Well, first, I just want to say thanks for having me on, uh, making the time. You know, it's it's not a problem. We're all trying to make do in, in these uncertain times. But yeah, for my background, you know, I'll, I'll go a little further back. I'm a I'm a geographer and and GIS guy from college. I went to the University of Waterloo and the Center of Geographic Sciences in a small town in Nova Scotia. I always like to give a shout out there. Uh, but that yeah, I went to Esri and worked at Esri for about ten years, uh, focusing mainly on helping build the flagship uh, GIS products at Esri, Arc, uh, ArcMap and ArcGIS Pro. And then, yeah, after Esri, uh, after a, a decade in Redlands, California, I, I moved to Seattle, Washington and took a job with Tableau. So that's a really interesting background. And clearly you have a lot of experience in, in GIS and in, in geospatial and in mapping. So perhaps we could move on and talk about Tableau. I think a lot of the listeners will understand what ESRI is and, and what it does. So let's talk about Tableau. What What is it and who is it for? Yeah, good question. Uh, this this comes up often in the, in the sort of geo community when I connect with people and, and talk with folks and say, hey, I work at Tableau. Well, what is it? Tableau is a visual analysis tool, like that's where its roots are. And it was meant to be self-service as in easy for anyone to use and really meant for the people who knew the data, who understood the data and just needed a tool to really explore and analyze. So the mission of Tableau is to help people see and understand data. And at this point, you know, Tableau is sort of 15 years old. It's a full-fledged platform. There's a number of products in the suite. There's a sort of traditional desktop Tableau product, but there's also a server product, Tableau Online, which is a fully hosted SaaS offering. You can 
sign up for the trial and just get started and never use desktop. There's also Tableau Public, which is a, a free platform for people to use and share visualizations and embed visualizations. Very popular uh, you know, sort of nowadays with journalists and, and people who are looking at you know, even the issues that face the world today with, with COVID-19. So you said a lot of really interesting things there, but I, I really noticed the thing that you said about helping people see and visualize data and moving that capability closer to the people that actually understood the data. So, so this is, could you talk a little bit more about that? Because this is a problem we're trying to solve in the, in, as I'm sure you know, with your time at Esri, you know, we're trying to solve this problem all the time in the mapping world. We're trying to give more and more people access to maps. We want to have that sort of self-serve mapping interface for people so people can go to the one place and get the map instead of having a cartographer constantly you know creating pdf files for everyone that comes we want to create a online web map and say here go over there and get the map how have you solved that problem at tableau how have you moved those capabilities closer to the user daniel let me potentially offer a, a meandering response again tableau's mission is helping people see and understand data and tableau the product is meant to be a self-service business intelligence tool, like a, a self-serve BI tool. And business intelligence tools are really targeted towards you know, marketing and accounting, accounting and, and finance and sales teams, but not like traditional you know, CAD and GIS departments, right? But clearly when you think of the, the target market for Tableau, it's really people who work with data and want to make data-driven decisions. Now, that's no different from the GIS world, right? People are working with location and spatial data. They want to make a smart decision about and driven by location intelligence often. Tableau fits in sort of the, the Venn diagram, if you can imagine, the sort of overlapping space with who needs to understand how to really understand the location aspects of their data, right? In a BI tool, we want people to who have traditionally you know, worked with spreadsheets like, you know, Excel data or text files or database tables, and even further traditionally worked with IT departments to build out reports and to execute queries against a database. Well, we don't want people to think in those terms because that just takes a little too long. There's too much friction. There's too much back and forth and not a direct sort of connection with the data. And when you talk with someone in marketing and sales and finance and whatever their role they might have, they are the experts of their data sets, right? Like they know the data. And that's such a powerful thing when it comes to exploring and analyzing. Uh, because often, you know, when you when you explore and ask a question of the data, the the first thing that you get back leads to a next the next set of questions, right? And, and it really becomes an iterative uh, process. And Tableau is a tool that really focused on visual design of visualizations. So it's very easy to drag and drop and move data or fields around axes and the canvas of the visualization. And Tableau is very responsive. It understands when you, when you have categories or things that you might group by. It understands when you have measures, things that you might you know, add or subtract or perform calculations against. And when you use these fields along with sort of Tableau's understanding of best practices around working with data sets, the visualizations, Tableau just generates the right visualization. And of course, you can override some things. And you know sometimes you need a map, you use a map. But other times, you shouldn't use a map and, and you don't. Uh, and Tableau is really sort of trying to lower the bar to entry into this 
sort of self-service spatial data exploration, but certainly not just focused on spatial, but all things data, really sort of the Swiss army knife for working with data. So it was it was quite clear from what you said then that you focused on all things data. So it's, it's neither spatial data for you or anything else. It, it's just data. Do you think that, that we as um, geospatial professionals should think more in, in these terms? Just data. We're just doing things with data as opposed to focusing so much on, on the spatial side of it? Yeah, I mean, this might be, you know, p- part of the, you know, what's worked well for the geospatial community, but also a hindrance. It's worth a discussion, right? Often you've heard spatial is special and this is about GIS and like deep understanding of, you know, some core principles of working with spatial data and best practices around producing maps that are going to be shared and so forth. And, you know, cartographic design principles and, you know, we could go on. You know, it's not that those things aren't true. Like there certainly is a need for understanding the best practices and the tech, the, you know, the appropriate technique for visualing uh, certain data sets, especially if they're using a map. But at the same time, by by saying it's it's special and niche, you know, it's sort of carving and maybe even putting a box around, you know, who can work in that space or what's possible. And you know, GIS has obviously done very well. And, and obviously, you know, Esri and open source QGIS community are are huge. But when you think about going bigger and really being global and really being, you know, ubiquitous is probably like the a cliche kind of buzz term, but, you know, being like that platform that anyone can use, it really needs to be a little bit easier, probably more generic, centered around maybe user experience more than the jargon and finding a way to sort of, you know, put an interface in front of the complexity. Yeah, and I guess that, that for me anyway, raises a whole bunch of interesting questions. Like, so when you do that, when you put an interface in front of people, you, you automatically make decisions for them. So this is another interesting problem we face when we produce web maps, for example. How much data do we show people? How much functionality do we give them access to? How do we create a product, a web map service, a web map interface that serves the needs of a specific group? You know, and these are these are all really interesting questions, I think. But I would like to leave that just for a second. And what I'm really interested in now is that Tableau. I've seen a few great examples of the work people can do, and especially in terms of mapping. Do you think you could give us an idea of where the overlap lies between Tableau and perhaps traditional GIS products? Because I'm thinking that there there's a time and a place to use something like Tableau, and there's a time and a place to use the the products that that we're used to in the in the geospatial world. But where would that overlap lie for you? We can kind of break it down a little bit. On, on the Tableau side, you know, Tableau is not a really a cartographic design tool. It's, you know, you, you don't have a, an unlimited set of, you know, built-in shapes and con- fine control over outline width and, you know, certain label placements and, you know, this kind of stuff, right? Like it's not a detailed cartographic design tool. It's not a 3D tool. It's not a raster-based analysis and imagery, uh, you know, image analysis tool. You know, so there's lots of things that you know, Tableau is just not going to do out of the gate. When you think about the overlap, there are things that Tableau can do and does very well and very easily. One of those things is simply putting places on a map. Tableau has a built-in geocoder that is very good very and the way it's you know the nature of the architecture of the product it's very fast and 
it's always a wow moment with almost any customer who uses the product for the first time or is, you know, like a, a five-year, you know, Zen master of, you know, Jedi with Tableau kind of thing, right? When you build a map with Tableau, it's as simple as dragging the appropriate field onto the canvas. If the field includes a list of states or provinces, you're going to get a map. If the field includes, you know, five-digit postal codes in France, you're going to get a detailed postal code map in France. And as you start dragging measures or other categories onto the field, onto the authoring canvas, you're going to get a thematic map or a core pleth map, et cetera. And, and Tableau starts to help you make the right decision. Now you always have the power to override, you know, you can always change things. Tableau sort of starts to guide you with what might be an appropriate starting point, which is, you know, part of that, like it, it you know, it's five minutes to an insight kind of thing, right? This is like a marketing phrase you're going to hear from, you know, tools that are really trying to accelerate the the point from when you get the data to the point where you can actually look at something and start to think about what you're seeing and making a decision. Uh, and Tableau is is the best at that. You might say GIS is probably a lot weaker, right? Uh, a, a GIS system isn't the thing where you 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 pull in data and, and and you start seeing things that help you understand the 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 data itself and the map itself right away. Uh, I know for the longest time, you know, in in ArcGIS Desktop. There, were, there wasn't a gallery of base maps, right? You, you always had to build up the map yourself from scratch. Uh, and sure, there might've been some templates of data sets and a couple of uh, you know, map documents, MXDs that came with you know, your installation. But you know, for the most part, you might've had to build up your map from scratch and build your own templates. Uh, and you know, that was obviously a barrier removed. Now we all have base maps and that's sort of you know, table stakes, of course. But you can see you know, there, there's different things that you can do between the tools in terms of getting started and getting to something as quickly as possible. There's certainly a set of functions that I don't expect Tableau or any business intelligence tool. It's not just about Tableau. It's about, you know, sort of BI tools in this space really doing, right? Like investing in and supporting the world set of projections, you know, probably not going to happen and really high precision, you know, uh, you know, geometry and spatial data creation. That's probably not a Tableau function. But if it's being able to understand the common forms in which spatial data formats exist, you know, from shapefiles to GeoJSON to now there's spatial data supported in Redshift and Snowflake and these other sort of cloud-based data stores, you know, Tableau is going to be able to connect to those things and work with those things uh, because the data connecting to data is like one of these core things to get into. Daniel, you're probably going to have to correct me here. I'm probably off on some tangent. Is is there another aspect of the 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 overlap and threshold that I should that I should touch on? No, in fact, I was really pleased that you you managed to highlight some really important stuff there. And one of them for me was the, this idea that GIS is always going to be like a specialist kind of tool. And I, I sometimes feel like maybe maybe that's okay. Maybe we don't have to fill every niche possible. Maybe it's okay that there are specialists working with specialist tools. I often feel when I have conversations with people like you that that everybody is sort of eating in on our t- territory, if you know what I mean. Like everyone's coming and, and democratizing something. But that was really interesting to hear you say, okay, well, the boundaries here, we are doing this, we're going to, you know, make these tools self serve and easy to use, but we're not going to sort of cross over into these more specialized products and aspects of, of geospatial. Yeah, Daniel, you know, it's, it's a good point, right? Like, the other part of this, too, is, while I don't expect that, 
you know, the way that I look at it, the way that I help, you know, I'm a product manager, I help determine what our products should do and who our products sh should serve uh, is really about the customer's use case, right? I mean, it, it really depends on the customers that we have, the prospects that we see, where we think the market might go. Now, the GIS world and the business intelligence world, we probably have very similar views on this, but we're just starting from different places. And, you know, there, there's going to be more encroachment, no doubt. And, you know, it'll go both ways. But I'd still come back to this one principle that you mentioned, which is you should use the right tool for the job. People ask me for guidance on how to solve a problem sometimes. And I will say, you should use a GIS tool. I, I've used those tools that can solve your problem today. And that's not to say that I don't believe in the tool that I build or that I don't want to support and evangelize my company's technology. But if you're really customer centric and really want to help people solve problems, you know, it, it's about finding the right tool for the job. Now about sort of the encroachment and like sort of the carving into the space a little bit. I mean, undoubtedly business intelligence tools have done that to GIS tools because it's just so much easier to get started for anyone. You know, I, I went to school for four and a half years uh, in an undergrad program and then took a post-grad and then I went to Esri and started working and realized I didn't know anything. You know, like you, you really have to hit the books and, and understand, you know, do the training to skill up with the GIS stack. And, and of course, you know, when, when I was, uh, you know, coming out of school, that's 2005. So things have certainly changed and, you know, uh, ArcGIS Online and, and other online tools like Cardo and so forth are, are going to make things easier for folks. But so is the business intelligence world. And if you think about who wants to be invested in being a data-driven organization, right? Like who really cares? You're going to find like it's the world set of organizations, like the, the Fortune 500 companies, every small business, you know, it's everyone now wants to be data-driven, right? And I think, you know, the business intelligence tools, Tableau certainly positioned well to sort of lead that, lead those customers to becoming data-driven. And of course, those customers are going to say, well, we wish we could do more with location. Uh, so just coming back to your point, right? Like, while some things are probably not likely on our future roadmap for our product, but I'm sure there will be conversations with customers. And, you know, there's always a tipping point there. And, and you know, that's not a, a set in stone formula either. So you never know what the future will hold. And to be fair, I wasn't expecting you to say we're, we're never doing this. Like I, I am actually glad that, that people encroach, if, if you want to put it like that, because it pushes us further. When Google Maps came out, for example, with, you know, back in the day, we called it a slippy map. That was amazing. And it really jump-started the, the revolution of, of web mapping, as far as I'm concerned anyway. That was great. That was a great encroachment. That pushed everyone to produce better and, you know, more, more interesting things. And has led to the mapping environment that we see today. So, so that was a great thing. No, you're you're, you're totally right. And, and I just want to follow up on that and be like, you know, it's it's the encroachment and the competition, right? That is good for the consumer. I mean, it's you know, for like we, you and I are both consumers, and, and that's great for us. And of course, you hit the nail on the head before when you said using the right tool for the job. And I think too, when people that haven't tried to build a, a tool themselves before, they, they probably don't think about this too much. But if you build a tool for everyone, you build a tool for no one. I mean, you have to know your customers, what their needs and wants are. And there's never going to be like one tool to rule them all. A wee while ago, I talked with uh, Dale Lutz from, he's the co-founder of Safe Software. 
and and he, he was he was talking about back in the day they thought there was going to be one file format that was just going to rule them all that they realized that no you know, there's so many different specializations that are needed in these different file formats that that there's never going to be one that does everything in fact we've seen an explosion of file formats in the last little while and I really feel we're going to see this a similar sort of thing or are seeing a similar sort of thing with, with software. There's so many different platforms that do a little bit of, of mapping, you know, a little bit of geospatial. Not all of it, but a little bit, and they do it really, really well. I couldn't agree with you more. I think on your point, too, about sort of Google Maps and, you know, how that was such a disruption. I, I think, you know, one of the certainties going ahead in the next year or two or so is going to be that disruption, right? Like there, there is going to be other players, a startup. Uh, new technology and new ways of doing things. And I, I think you're going to see, you know, whether it's like sort of the, the cloud data storage platforms of the world or like with Tableau, you know, Tableau is a company that has been acquired by Salesforce and you're going to see sort of a merger of, you know, a company that's really data centric, like a Salesforce. And I know we're getting way out of the range of sort of traditional GIS. It's not out of bounds of like the data world, right? And when we think about, you know, smart technologies, you know, the machine learning and AI and, you know, all of the techniques to help do better predictions and so forth, you know, you can see where disruption could occur, right? And if you're in that sort of GIS world, I know we might uh, get to this later on, like sort of what the future might hold, but I think there's a lot of clues out there. Yeah, and I would I would guess anyway that in the future we're not going to talk about disruption. We're just going to think of it as this sort of evolution, and no one's going to mention it. It's just going to be you know a constant cycle that that changes, and we're going to have to get more and more used to used to changing with that. So if if we stay with this idea of change and and disruption. So Tableau is doing some really interesting work in the mapping space, at least I think. I mean, this idea of self-serve mapping and the examples, again, that I've seen, they're, they look amazing. I mean, the the quality and the visualizations that you can produce with this tool are really, really incredible. What can we in the mapping industry learn from this? I think there's a few things, and, and maybe I'll I'll get back to sort of completing my answer to one of your earlier questions, which is, you know, what are the things that you can do with Tableau and sort of BI tools, but I can specifically talk to Tableau, right? You know, you can do spatial calculations, you know, making it easier to work with latitude and longitude data, right? So you can create points and those points can be used in a spatial join in Tableau and do spatial aggregations. I mean, all of those things I just talked about, a spatial calc, spatial aggregations, using intersects to do a spatial join, those are such traditional GIS things, right? But we've put them in the flow of analysis in Tableau and that's really about making this user experience that's you know really easy and sort of you know lowers the bar there right i think the things you can learn from tableau are really that tableau was designed to be a really generic tool but to satisfy these really common uses right so you know this really sort of broad applicability uh, as i mentioned earlier talking about marketing or sales or whatever right like tableau is built in geocoder you can map you know common administrative data you know, with a single click. And it's just like that. It's really making this user experience. This is the thing, like really removing the the friction from getting started, right? Connecting to data, Tableau supports 70 or so data sources, many of which are now spatial. And of course, we, we're going to support more. And, you know, with the GIS tool, in some ways, you know, sometimes you get constrained to like, oh, well, you need to use this type of geo database or if you're going to use that type or this format, you know, these are the rules that go against that. 
Well, Tableau sort of tried to make sure that there weren't as many restrictions. Now, sometimes there's just a restriction on a format and you have to deal with it, but really taking that part out of the equation. And then in terms of just performance, right? I mean, a business intelligence tool like Tableau offers a live connection to data. It offers an in-memory connection to data. And you don't really have to know much about those things, except, hey, if your data is updating and you need a live connection, you can do that. And if your data doesn't update frequently and you want to schedule updates or something like that, you have the power to do so and use it in memory and really benefit, you know, get a performance benefit. When we're talking about the scale of data that we tend to talk about nowadays, it's no longer like tens of thousands of records, right? It's hundreds of thousands, millions, if not tens or hundreds of millions of rows of data. And, and how is how are your tools set up to work with those things? Uh, I think Tableau is really positioned well to work with those things. I think I think a lot of the BI world is positioned well to work with sort of large, big data. And spatial is the most complicated type of big data. I'm not sure that the GIS tools are, are, are handling those things in the same way. Uh, I think there's something there to be said about being ready to work with that large scale uh, data. So I'm a little bit conscious of the time here, but I would like to sort of round up the, this, um, or round off, I should say, the, this conversation with a look out into the future. And five years ago, we talked about location being the next big thing, or maybe it was even earlier than that. But but do you, do you think that's still the case? Is location still the next big thing? Or is it just, you know, j- just another row on the database? You know, I've answered this kind of question before, and I and I presented a few times, and I always say, you know, location was a big thing 30 years ago, right? And, and it was five years ago, and it, it seems to be it will be tomorrow and 10 years from now. I, I think the ways in which we leverage location and spatial data will be different. And I think there's a few things that are incumbent upon us, but also sort of requirements for the knowledge workers of the world, right? You really need to be sort of data literate and be a part of a data culture within your organization. I think that's going to happen. The silos of the traditional sort of ways in which we've worked, the GIS team is separate and you know they don't speak to or they take requests in some weird form from other departments. Like I think that's going to be less and less and more into the niche of like, oh, hey, we want to publish maybe a web map for a public audience. Okay. But in terms of like the analysis that runs the business, I, I think, yeah, this sort of mass adoption of a, a data centric and data culture a data-driven culture is really going to be something that happens. And I, and I know it's already happening with, within some of the large organizations of the world. And certainly there are, there are some of the, the agencies and, and you know, within uh, the public sector that have been around for the longest time that have, that have always been sort of data-driven and, and uh, sort of location data-driven. If you think of, you know, like the NOAAs of the world, uh, the, ocean, the Oceanographic and Atmospheric uh, Sciences uh, Agency here in the U.S. and, you know, USGS and so forth. But the other thing, too, when we think of having a data culture and, and being data driven, it's like, OK, that that's that's all that's all in good. But but what are the new things that we get to learn or, or how are things becoming easier? I, I do think there is going to be this push for the technology and people to really lean on the tools to move from a different set of questions. And I, I think you've seen like this is kind of marketing messaging I've seen from, you know, Cardo, from Tableau. I've seen it. I've seen it in other places. And that's moving from what? to where and why, right? So it's one thing like, this is you know very much in line with the Tableau sort of mission, right? Helping people see and understand data, sort of moving from what and where, like those very obvious things when you, when you map out data for the, for the first time 
to that more sophisticated question of why there, right? And I think that's sort of the immediate future that we're going to look at. Everyone's going to think about, you know, those those sort of deeper reasons and understand like the connected nature of the world is driving a lot of the locations and and how they happen, the a lot of the where, right? So maybe maybe not as articulate as a response, but uh, I definitely think there's a new sort of uh, set of culture sort of philosophies and uh, a new set of questions that people are going to be asking and, and using these tools for. Yeah, I agree with with a whole bunch of what you said there, absolutely. And I thought that was a really interesting way of looking at it is we're going to be moving towards this sort of data-driven culture because this is something that we all talk about. So the idea that we're not there yet, um, it, that, that was a little bit surprising for me because you know we, we always talk about data-driven and better data, we're going to make better decisions. Yeah, it feels like that you don't think that we're there yet. So that was really interesting in itself. Daniel, let me just jump in on that too, right? And, I, and there's a couple data points which are sort of common sort of stories that have come out in the last year, right? One is when it comes to analyzing data, people still spend 80% of their time doing data modeling and data preparation and, and sort of extract, transform, load the ETL process, right? Before they even get to the analysis, like that's still a problem, right? There's a bottleneck there, which is just getting the data into the right shape for analysis, the story that I read recently is um, around data science. And like, you know, we think of these sophisticated data scientists, you know, running models and generating the right answer or a set of a range of answers. And, and it's like, no, my, my understanding is that a lot of the data science projects of the world, like the overwhelming majority don't end up being successful, you know? And, and this is, I think this is, I wish I could cite the article like from uh, Forbes or, or Harvard business, but you know, in one of those articles, they're saying like, Look, we, we know we're, we have some you know, really intelligent people working with some really sophisticated technology, and we're still not able to put our finger right on it. Again, we may be willing to start trying to be more data-driven, but we're going to lean on some of the traditional ways until we feel more confident that the tools are really delivering for us, and that you know, even with some of the simple tools, like you know, maybe Tableau and, and you know, easy-to-use interfaces, that we still have this other problem, which is just getting all of the data that needs to be integrated together into the right form. You highlighted this this before as well. And it seems to me that the spectrum that we talk about, you know, is so large. So at one end, we're still sort of struggling with the idea of getting data into the right shape to use it before we even get to run any of these complicated processes. And at the other end, we're, we're doing this incredibly complex modeling of the world but we're almost running before we can walk. It's like that tail needs to really catch up, I think, before we see some um, some real sort of uh, leaps ahead in the industry. Kent, I really want to thank you for your time. I've appreciated the conversation. It's been very enjoyable. Can you let listeners know where they can go to learn more about you or perhaps try Tableau or if they have any questions, where, where can they go to reach out to you? Sure, yeah. I'm uh, available on Twitter uh, probably too often. My Twitter handle is Data Kmart. And uh, of course, if you have uh, questions or, or want to learn more about Tableau, you can go to tableau.com or visit the Tableau community forums. The easiest way to get started, maybe just download Tableau Public, which is free to use and free to share. So you can publish uh, your visualizations and embed them you know, today. Um, but yeah, other than that, of course, I, I feel like I'm connected to the Geo community and uh, you know, I'm, I'm at the occasional conference. Uh, but yeah, never hesitate to reach out happy to talk anytime. Thanks again, Ken. Really appreciate it. 
Thanks again to our sponsor, Graphhopper. If you are looking for a directions API to build your routing application on top of, check out Graphhopper. That's graphhopper.com. And that's it for another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. Much appreciated. As always, you are more than welcome to reach out to me on social media. You'll find me at Mapscaping on Facebook and Twitter and map underscore view on Instagram. You are also more than welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. And any questions or comments you might have regarding the podcast, I would love to hear them. So that's it from me. Talk again next week. Bye.